ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Sideline Chuck is proudly presenting. Now I'm playing. <laughs> but welcome to another edition of the side. Um, shit. Um, damn. Thursday night throwdown presented by the sideline junk. See, I was playing around and I got myself all caught up. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG sitting in this thing with the undefeated, the incomparable, the always ready, never late, always on time. Midnight Rider. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. How you feeling tonight? Yo, I already know there's something on deck, so I'm not even going to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going right, to my well, I'm gonna try to keep my religion. Well, I'm going to try to keep my religion. That's all right. We're going to jump right into this thing because we got a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to do it within the, the allotted time. So, man, championship weekend is here. The NFC championship game is Sunday at 3 o'clock. The Philadelphia Eagles host the San Francisco 49ers. Eagles are two and a half point favorites, which is kind of crazy because you get three for being at home. Uh, Not no more. Over under is 46 and a half. Thank you, FanDuel, who does all our lines all season long. Um, Midnight Rider. Yes, sir. Brock Purdy versus uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay. What we got? That, you ask me? Oh, oh, wait. That vicious. Philly offense, AJ Brown, uh, uh, Devontae Smith versus that vicious 49ers defense. The Batman. Yes. So, my question to you is who wins this game on Sunday? Thank you for taking my call. I hang up and listen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a whole show to do on Sunday. We can't be giving up content. We can't give up the content. But I do look forward to this matchup. It's um, a way too early. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it's way, way too early. Uh, I'll do lunch right now. The lean if I gotta do it that way um, is I like Philly because Philly's line and everything's been dominant. This is going to be one of those classic matchups, but I don't think we're going to get high score teams going to fight out. Both defenses are going to do their thing. Um, I'm going to love seeing Nick Bosa, I mean, Joey Bosa, whatever Bosa, um, going against the Philly line. <clears throat> and I'm going to like seeing the defensive line for the Eagles going against Trent and company. So I think we're going to have some battles for people that, like, if you like offensive line play, you're going to have a battle there. If you like cornerback on receivers, you're going to like the matchups there. The backs and the linebackers, like I think every facet of this game is going to have an interesting matchup to where you're going to be satisfied as a fan watching this ball game. I agree. And I think, dare I say it, this is going to be a true unadulterated shootout. I think it's going to be a lot of defense played. I don't think it's going to be a 10-7 shootout. I mean, you're going to have – Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts going shot for shot. And when I say that, I'm not talking basketball. I'm talking about you're going to have one deep ball. The other one's going to come back, throw a deep ball. They're going to throw crossing routes and deep sevens and comebacks and everything. This is going to be a damn good game. I think this – I'm looking for, more forward to the NFC Championship game than I am the AFC Championship game. 
And I kind of sort of wish the AFC championship game was early like it used to be. But uh, it is what it is. Way too early pick. I got to go with Philly. Got to. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to knock nobody. If you go the other way. I, and normally I wouldn't even say anything about Philly because it's Philly. All right. So, but you know, it's all good. It's all good. Um, see, I also think, go ahead. Like, these, this is <clears throat> rarely in the world do we get the final four with, I think, the best four teams playing at that time. Sometimes there's somebody that gets a, 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 a oops or a hiccup and gets in this. But I think, honestly, this is probably one of the better championship weeks because um, even if you handicap it early in the year, I think you ended up with the four, the, four of the five or four of the six best teams in football. So there's no way you're going to feel cheated this weekend. You should. You should. Unless somebody just doesn't show up. Hmm. A lot of people lot are wondering, people are- is this going to be the end of the road for Brock Purdy? And will this be his game to hiccup? And he finally drops it. And a lot of people are saying, hey, this kid can win. What What is this? This He wins this game. This will be what, win number seven in a row for him? I think he's more like eight or nine. Is it? Yeah, he's getting me. he's getting into that um that Ben Roethlisberger territory that Roethlisberger had um the year after, the year he took over for um Tommy Maddox. Yeah, and Roethlisberger what they went fifteen and one that year, didn't he? Roethlisberger won yeah. eleven straight. Some yeah, something like that. Uh, this will be this will be number eight. He was five and zero in, in the regular season, uh, two and zero in the playoffs, and he has played. Very, very well in these playoffs. Brock Purdy, 37 to 49 in two games. Uh completed 62% of his passes, 546 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. And that's the most important part is the no picks. And the fact that the offense is moving no matter what. Exactly. Uh, I think one of the, the precursors is just moving the football, getting McCaffrey and um Jeff Wilson the ball and letting them do their thing. And then you just supplement it with the passing game. And then you get your little Debo plays, and then, I mean, it's if they had one more receiver, ooh, we like I like Brandon Ayuk, but I think Brandon's closer to Debo than he is like a AJ Brown or somebody like that. So I think his year, his next development step would be becoming a better receiver on the outside, um, just a little bit better. And, and and this offense takes off, or if they draft a kid or find a kid. Um, because these young rookie um raw receivers, they don't play around. I mean, we talked about it the other night. You had your Dachshunds of the world, you got your Alaves, Garrett Wilson. I think Wilson and Alave both were over a thousand yards. Then you had Dachshund about six or seven hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a class coming in this year that's gonna be I'm not gonna say they're gonna be on that level, but they'll be be a, just a step below this class that just came out. Um, and then you have your um, I think it's Kenwan Butte from LSU. Uh, you have um, Jackson Smith and Jeba from um, Ohio State. Uh, you got the kid from TCU. I think it's Quentin Robinson. Uh, and I apologize if I got that name wrong. But you've got guys that are going to be – there's going to be like four receivers taking this first round, maybe five. And then next year, going in the next year, 
the 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 crazy thing about it is probably one of the better um wide receivers of the class that we just had with Garrett Wilson and company is James on Williams, who hopefully if God is willing, he'll be healthy enough and he'll be in Detroit with Amon St. Brown. Um and that offense could look very dangerous um next season. So too early prediction, but I think the Lions will win the the North next year. So if there's a line, I'm taking it. Okay. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. With this San Francisco team, you talked about their receivers. You got, of course, Debo Sam. You got Brandon Ayuk. What about your man, Ray Ray McLeod? What about Juwan Jennings? Ray Ray McLeod is a... He's your gadget guy. He's the guy from the kid from Clemson. So yeah, he's a returning specialist. Um, he's gonna do his job there, but I don't see him like I think you know. See, this is the beauty of Kyle Shanahan. Um, they're gonna use him like the kid Aldrick Robinson. If you remember that the name from threat. Washington in of 2012 course. with um, Triple A, he was a deep. Yeah, you just throw him in there, and then you send him on a fly, and if teams didn't recognize the scouting report and know he was the burner, they got beat. And and, I, and, and you see a similar thing because they had another kid last year. Uh, gosh, his name is um, escaping me. But San Francisco keeps a burner um, on their team every year just, just for that reason, just so that person gets behind the defense and, and makes it happen. Jennings, he's been inconsistent like – he had a game, I think, last year where he had two or three touchdowns in the playoffs, but he just he just doesn't give you anything every like every week. And maybe that's design of the offense, but he's just a little too inconsistent for me. I got you. Now on the other side, you got the Philadelphia Eagles, uh Jalen Hurts, Notre Dame alum, Ian Ian Book is the backup with uh Gardner Minshew. In the backfield, you have uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, nice little running attack they got there, little multi-head monster. AJ Brown, Zach Pascal, Devontae Smith, and Quez Watkins, and okay, and also don't forget Dallas Goddard on that offense as well. So Philly ain't no slouch. I will say that Philly's no slouch. Philly ain't. And we got the Batman's. Um, skinny Batman, muscle Batman, and the other Batman, uh, um, fast Batman, I think is what they call him. <laughs> fast Uh-oh. Batman, you breaking up, you breaking up really, really bad. All right, I'm gonna hop out and then hop right back in. Okay, while we waiting on the midnight rider, uh, talking about Jalen Hurts. Um, Hertz was out for a little while, and the thing is, we were worried about his shoulder, him coming back in his shoulder. Let me pull up his 2022 statistics 15 games, he was 14 and one as a starter. That one loss came against uh Burgundy and Gold. Let's say that. Uh, career high 306 completions, 66% completion rate, 3,701 yards. 22 touchdowns over six interceptions. And his QB rating was 101 and a half. Can't beat that. 
He even ran for 760 yards and, and 13 touchdowns. In the playoffs, he only had the one game because Philly had the number one spot. Um, 16 to 24, 154, uh, and two touchdowns, no picks. And like the Midnight Rider said, you don't want any picks. You won't want your guy to throw any picks. So um, we're going to switch over to the AFC Championship game. And this is a game that everybody is already calling a W for Cincinnati because Joe Burrow is 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. They're already calling Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead Stadium. That's what they're calling it now. They're calling Arrowhead Burrowhead now because Burrow has three wins against Patrick Mahomes. Now, we're looking at this. Let me pull up my fan duel here. Thank you, fan duel, for providing the line. Kansas City's on a one-point favorite at home. That's another rough line. It's too early to tell, but 47.5 is the over-under. Um, Midnight Rider, way too early prediction. Cincinnati versus Kansas City. Bengals, not even mm. second thought, not even third thought. Like Burrow, when I watch Burrow play, he's in a zone right now. That like you don't see quarterbacks play like this. And it started with the Buffalo game where it just seemed like whatever you do, I got an answer for. Um, so you tell me how you want me to slice and dice it. Um, at times, I feel like he drops in a little training day, and you know he's like Jake. I'm surgical with this. And, and that's how he is, man. He just gets surgical with that right arm, and he takes teams apart, and they have enough of a running game and enough diversity in their passing attack to make make this something special. Uh, no offense to KC, but I think it's going to be a struggle. I mean, you got a high ankle sprain, even though you can throw from any platform, and you probably one of the best um, off-script throwers of the football in the league. It's just – I think it's just too much for them. And I think for them to win, the guy that has to play big for them is going to have to be Juju. And if it's not Juju, it has to be um, – what's my guy from the Giants? Uh, Kadarius Tony. Um, Tony, Kadarius Tony. So those are the two things. So that's, that's just how I see it. I just think they got to make some plays, some other people outside of Kelsey, in order for this to be a, a win for them. What you got, man? I think I'm on a delay. Uh, I'm looking at what they're saying about Patrick Mahomes. High ankle sprain is nothing to play with. In my honest opinion, this is revisionist history, I think a high ankle sprain is what kept the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple of years. Well, no, it was one year. I can't remember what year it was. What kept them from going to the Super Bowl? Because Mark Brunel had a high ankle sprain. They had to start Rob Johnson. I think that that's nothing to play with. And it takes longer to recover from a high ankle sprain than it does a regular ankle sprain. And if Mahomes is healthy, they say he's walking around, no problems, no issues, no nothing. Okay, then we're going to get ourselves a duel. But if Mahomes is hurt, it's like Cincinnati has to be like a shark. And you put blood in the water. They see that chum. They got to attack. And I'm I'm not saying, you know, beat the shit out of my homes, but I'm saying beat the shit out of my homes. But way but too early, know, I'm taking ahead, Cincinnati. I'm 
No, no, I'm good. I'm way too early. I'm taking Cincinnati. Yeah, and I just think the other problem is what's very underrated is Cincinnati's defense and how you know we always talk about building a team. Um, this is definitely one of those defenses where it's an eleven man defense. It's not a there's no superstars. You're not running out to get DJ Reader. You're not running out to get Sam Hubbard um, or Eli Apple or, or any of those guys. You're, it's, it's a team. It's a full 11-man effort that makes this thing go um, work. And I think that's the biggest difference in which what gives them the flexibility. Uh, I'll be curious to see once they end up paying Joe what approach they take to building their defense. Because that's going to be the key. Like, how do you keep this juggernaut rolling? Um, and they're going to have to start, like, moving guys and losing guys. But do they draft well enough in the future? Or do they sign the right guys to keep this train on the tracks? Because they are another team that I feel like the next five years, you can either alternate it, you can put put names in a hat. But Cincinnati, Buffalo, and um, Kansas City are going to be there. And maybe Kansas City doesn't make it the full five. Maybe make it two or three more, and then maybe Miami supplants them or something like that. But you're gonna it's gonna be a tough stretch and a tough run to come out of the AFC. And I think that's always the case. And here's the thing. And I know this is not indicative of the way players think right now. If you're winning and you're in the Super Bowl every year, are you really gonna squawk about money? Yeah. When you have a chance and you're a Super Bowl favorite every year and you're actually walking into the dance, yeah. I'm not going to squawk about money because I got a chance to win a ring. And like I said a couple of shows ago, you can lose the money. You can lose the fame, the women. For some guys, the dope. You can lose everything, but they can't take that ring away from you. They can't take away your name on that plaque. That uh, uh, says you played for that team in that Super Bowl. They can't take that away from you. And when they introduce you anywhere, they call you Super Bowl champion. Some things are more important than money. I'm just saying. That's just me and my 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 crazy mixed up head. No, nah, no, nah, I get it. I mean, you you probably would do the Tom Brady and give. Them- you break it up. I don't know if I do that. You you break it up. I ain't hear word you said. All I heard was Tom Brady. Discount thing. Um, um, I guess the gerbil didn't get his paycheck this week. <laughs> um, go ahead and carry you on, man. I told you get two of them. I'm working on it. Okay. Well. We're going to throw this. Keep with the NFL. We're going to throw it to early offseason. Today, Frank Wright. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Super Bowl champion, Frank Wright. The man that led Maryland to the largest college football comeback of all time. The man that led the Buffalo Bills to the second largest NFL playoff comeback ever is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Um, We talked about this off air. Number one, Frank Wright played 95 with the Panthers. Uh, 
But here's my thing. Steve Wilkes. We knew Steve Wilkes was not coming back in Carolina. We knew that. Not a problem. Frank Reich taking his job. The first thing I said is go get him a quarterback. Because that was his problem his last two years in Indianapolis. He didn't have a quarterback at all. So get him a quarterback. What do you think about this signing? Am I good now? Or am I still distorted? Audio audio's, audio's good. Visual, not so much. You're kind of lagging a little bit on the visual. Can, can you hear me? Okay, sorry, man. We good. Thumbs up. All right. Um, so so with this, um, I don't think Steve Frank Wright has an option on finding a quarterback. Uh, David Tupper is a huge, was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He's only known quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger, um, Bradshaw, and those guys. So I think that's always been his M.O. So I don't see, like, this is a situation where Carson Wentz does a redemption tour. Um, They're going to draft a quarterback. And I I think it's going to be – if C.J. Stroud is there, it's going to be Stroud or Levis. One of those two will be the quarterback or be the guy that um, carries Carolina into 2023. There's no worries about them trying to find a quarterback because they're going to try to find a quarterback. They're going to they want to find that option no matter what. Go ahead. Here's, what you my, got? here's my thing. I'm not going to knock Frank Reich for anything. I'm not going – because I, I love Frank Reich. I, I, I said that, you know, him as an offensive coordinator – was going to show how much Doug Peterson had going on in Philly to win that championship because Frank Wright had a lot to go with that. And what's crazy, Frank Wright didn't get much credit, but he did a lot of things. His first season in, in Indianapolis, he was 10-6, and six, uh, made it to the divisional game where they lost to Kansas City. He missed the playoffs second season. Uh, third season, 11-5. and five. Lost to Buffalo in a wild card game, and then nine and eight in in twenty twenty one, three five and one in twenty twenty two before he was fired. Uh, no knock four on different quarterbacks. Yes, yes, yes. Four years, four different quarterbacks. And you know, granted, I wanted to see Steve Wilkes get a another shot. Just like I wanted to see Anthony Lynn get another shot at head coach. But I don't think I wouldn't want to see Steve Wilkes in Carolina. I don't want to see Steve Wilkes or Anthony Lynn in Houston. I don't want to see them any place like that. Because it's always the 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 bottom of the barrel. Like you got to get to the bottom of the barrel, and then you scrape and you scrape and you scrape and you scrape and you scrape, and, you scrape, and then you scrape some more. And scrape some more. Then all of a sudden they say, okay, yeah, now you take that team. I don't want that. I'm not saying, you know, give them a ready-made team and then they go and then win because then all of a sudden now they're in the John Gruden air where 
well, that, that's not really your championship because the previous coach put that together. Like John Gruden's only championship in 2002, most people say, oh, he's a genius. No, he just took what Tony Dungy had already had and you added a little offense to it. That's it. Sorry. But his whole legacy is built off of that. That's an off-season topic. Hmm. I'll explain but, later. That's an off-season topic. Okay. But Frank Wright to Carolina, uh, looking at this team, they 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 need help. <laughs> they 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 need help. Let's let's just say that they finished. Uh, what did they finish? Um, seven and ten, which is not bad. No, they they not, made a late run by running the ball down everybody's throat down the, towards the end of the season. Exactly, and that's not bad. Uh, right now, you can't win with Sam Donald. He has to go. PJ Walker maybe can be. Groom, excuse me, groomed. Uh, no, PJ Walker has to go. Sam Darnold's the backup. I don't want Sam Darnold. Period. Well, you want they're gonna have to keep somebody that's gonna be around and teach the kid the system per se, or lack of a better term. And then you also need somebody that's gonna fill in for you two or three games that's gonna be solid. I don't know what the love affair you have with PJ Walker is, but he's just not it. Underdog. He's the guy. Under underdog, yeah. I just I don't know. I mean, I I'm weird at times, but I just don't see it with him. I get like, it. I haven't seen him. I mean, he did make that one throw against Atlanta where they won the game late, but I saw the other throws that built up to that, and it was just like, yeah, no, thank you. I get it. I get it all the way. Um. But he he has to do something. He, he Frank Wright. Oh, he will do something. Yeah, he, he he has to put together a vicious, vicious. Uh, his staff is gonna be pretty good, but he's gonna have to put some some players on the uh on the on the uh on the field. Oh shoot, he does have uh Matt Corral. Matt Carroll. Yeah, but that's not that's not their um quarterback. So if anything, Matt Corral is gonna be around just. To fight for a job, but since this regime really didn't select him, uh, it depends on the GM. To be honest with you, because I don't think the GM um, was expecting much from Corral, so I think Corral would just go into the shuffle with the kid they draft at number. I think they draft eighth. Um, so whoever they pick up is going to be this. They're going to fight it out, maybe, but he would be the lead in the clubhouse to finish the season as the QB one. Bro, they had Kevin Gilbride. Is it uh, Kevin Gilbride? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's that's no, 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 no. That's not that Kevin Gilbride. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's his son. Okay. <laughs> well, I say, wait, wait. They had Kevin Gilbride as tight ends coach. I, I didn't know he was still in the league, but that's his son. Okay. But um, it's amazing how the names stay the same. Yeah. Had Junior the third or whatever to him. Yeah. Yeah. Or they married somebody's daughter, and next thing you know. Hey, guess what? <laughs> you got a job. You get a job. You get a job. You get a job. That's the way it is. Um, Moving on from this, you asked a question in our chat, and I said I wasn't going to answer until we got here. We're here. Your question was, do the commanders have to sign pain? 
that's investing $36 million a year in D tackles. I didn't answer. The balls BJ say I wouldn't. I refused to answer. I saw it and I refused to answer because I thought content. Here you go. It's catching on. <laughs> Anything becomes content. ABCs are the sideline junkies, baby. <laughs> Here's the thing. Looking at this uh this roster, and we just gonna do defensive linemen for Washington because we we when we get in the O line, I mean uh off season, we'll get into everything else. You got Jonathan Allen locked up. As of right now, you have uh, uh, Chase Young locked up because he's still in his rookie deal. So you still need – Monte sweat your other end. You're running a 4-3. Why not put the money into Deron Payne to keep the family together? And, all you know, you, of course you're going to have guys rotating in and out. You're going to have your John Ridgeways, your James Smith-Williams, uh, Shaka Tonys and Casey Two Hills. Uh, those guys all played a major, major part in this season. You know, that rotation of D-linemen. At one point in time, we were like seven to nine deep on that D-line of the rotation. And everybody could play ball. Everybody did something different. Now, I think where our rotation is maybe about six to seven. But I don't see I, – I can't figure out a reason if we can – we can make this contract as team-friendly as possible. Incentive-laden to his stats, so all he got to do is get paid his bonus money, and he gets paid, I don't give a damn. Just work the deal. You haven't you haven't heard him? He says, I want to get paid. I want the big money. He's not yeah, taking, everybody says that. He's not taking an incentive-laden deal. He doesn't want to be the, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh highest paid defensive tackle in this league. He he's he's trying to be number one or number two. Like he wants to be slotted right behind Aaron. If he's not in front of Aaron Donald, he wants to be right behind Aaron Donald. Because he wants the big money. So you can't like I, when I hear him talk, um I, I automatically jump to the San Francisco model of this who's done this before. San Francisco had Buckner and Eric Armstead as their tackles. And they had to let one go. They traded one to Indianapolis. And with the pick they got from Indianapolis, they turned around and drafted Jared Kinlaw. And the only reason Kinlaw really hasn't been as effective as you wanted because he's been hurt. But it, it, it makes – it's part of the process. Like, I think this franchise at times gets caught up in who they let go. And then, like, the guy – like, I'll never forget the one year, like, Alfred Morris, we let Alf go, and he went and had – like 100 yards actually against us when he's playing for Dallas. And everybody was like, oh, see, we should have let him go. Dog, the the sun shines on the monkey's ass every now and then. Like, you just can't get caught up in that. Like, you got to be better than some of the some of the stuff you have. Like, you got to take steps forward. Like, the problem with Alpha was he just wasn't explosive enough. And you got to have, in this league, you can't always go 11 plays. You got to get that 30, 40-yard run or that 40-yard pass to make things work. Remind me to tell you that story about the video that I went I went off about a video because it's funny you say that. I'll tell you that story. I don't know if it'll be on air. I think it'll be off air. I think I did tell you that about we'll the dude in the video game. Mm-mm. Oh Lord, remind me to tell you that one because it it, it it goes to what you just said, and I'm like, yeah, no. 
But if Deron Payne wants to be the highest paid defensive tackle in the league, Aaron Donald's at 31 million, 31.6 million, right? The mm-hmm. second highest paid defensive tackle in the league, DeForest Bunkner. And that's at 20 million, 21 million flat. Chris Jones is at three right. with 20 million. Jonathan Allen, four at 18 million. You're not. So that's where he was. Windows. Okay. Here's the thing. He wants to be in that 18 and 21 window. And here's his thing. You're not going to get more than, than, than Allen. That's, that's not going to happen. As much as I love these guys, he's not gonna sign. then guess what? You put a transition tag on he's him. He's going to take. Go from there. You don't use a transition tag. You got a franchise tag him. See, if we franchise tag, tag has to mean. Franchise tag is the average of the top, top three. Correct? Top five, I think it is. Is it's top five now? I thought it was top three. I always thought it was top five, but I could be wrong. Okay, hold on. Let, let me let me let me let me let me uh NFL franchise tag, which I think is a fucking joke. I've always thought the franchise tag is a joke because it, you're holding uh, uh teams over a barrel. Um, franchise player. Da 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 da. What is the franchise tag? But see, the key with it is the franchise tag was really meant for you to be able to keep your star, not just every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Not every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes on the team and their contract is up. Right. You know, like, the the world's kind of gotten out of spectrum because for some reason, you just pay any quarterback, and every quarterback goes to the front of the line. That's one spot that doesn't have um, a modicum of justice in its contract process. It's just, all right, you're you're a free agent quarterback. You get to the front of the line. You you sign for whatever two pennies more than the last guy signed for, and it just keeps escalating. Because Burrow and and um, what you call it are going to change the whole world in the next couple of months. So, well, hell, didn't I hope Lamar not waiting for the them. whole world? I just like I said, I just hope Lamar Jackson signs before Burrow and Herbert. Because if he don't, he's gonna be in trouble. He might be finding himself on a, a franchise tag, and then they say hit the road jack or they make some kind of move because Baltimore ain't scared of um watching people walk. No, they never have and been taking and taking the picks from it and rebuilding their franchise. Now you were right, top five. So that's Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, Jonathan Allen, V to V. Their top, the, the average of their top five salaries. Now, for those who don't understand averages, you add up their salaries, then you divide it by five. Roundabout figure, $21.4 million. All right, so so think about him in this situation. This is the discussion I used to have people when we talked about Kirk. So his, he already knows, and he, he knows you're not going to let him go without conversation, right? Right. We can agree on that? And we can definitely so agree because it would be stupid if you did. So 21.2 essentially becomes his starting point. Because that's the worst I can do. The worst I can do is walk away with 21.2. So now you got you to gotta, um, bargain with me with 21.2 being the floor and no telling what the ceiling is because now we got to agree on a number. So that's why I say, like, this isn't something easy. And that's why I don't want to 
Because now you we're at, we're talking about forty million now at D tackle, and just on a roster building section, you, you got Ridgeway, you got Mathis. Like, are you really trying to address uh, invest forty million at tackle? Now maybe you don't get the same production, but if you make your middle linebacker better by signing somebody else, maybe that helps you out. Maybe you get better in the aggregate instead of you know being better at the initial point. And that's the part I worry about. Like I think this team should go ahead and move them for whatever you can get. Um, I saw somebody's dream trade of trading Payne for um, Justin Fields because um, Ryan Poles, the Chicago GM, didn't draft um, Fields, so maybe that's the option. So it's going to be interesting to see what plays out and what the options are for the Commanders when it comes to this. Here's the thing, and this is with an exclusive uh, franchise tag. You can give him the average of the top five players' salaries at his position based on April of the current year or 120% of the player's previous year's salary, which is whichever is greater. He's going to get the top five because 120% of his career, of, of his uh, earned his uh, salary last year is $10,234,800. Yeah. That's if they gave my exclusive one. It's so many working parts to this. And I'm like, yeah, if he wants that much money, you might have to let him walk. Or you work out a sign and trade. Something. Scratch my I mean, back, I scratch your back. Essentially, it becomes him, you telling his agent, if you can find a deal and they'll pay you long term, we'll, we'll, we'll work with that and we'll make you happy. Because you just can't do... Because once you get to year two of a franchise tag, it becomes even... <laughs> Worse because now that franchise number jumps up even more because it's like a hundred percent of the year before tag, um, which is where they got in trouble with Kirk. So yep. it's just like you find yourself in dead man's land when you do that. So the key kicker would be doing it this year, but making the move with him this year, and maybe you pick up a kid like a Brian Brees, or you get somebody late in the draft um, that's just a solid DT, and you move on. Because then you got to make the same decision at DN in another year. Here's the thing. And this is, this is, I know you say I like to get rid of people, but I'm just saying. Yeah. But here's my thing when we were going through this with Kirk, anybody that knows me and my man Keefe from the block would tell you this. I was like, let him fucking walk. Because I I don't want, I don't want to keep paying you. What was, what was he getting? He was getting 20. For, with the yeah. franchise tags, he was getting twenty million. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, for you couldn't, you weren't put. Okay, let me say you couldn't. Not you couldn't. They weren't putting anything around him for him to be successful. But he was still successful. Let's get that straight. Because right. he didn't have top tier receivers, but he still threw for four thousand yards every year. Right. Every year. Right. But what I'm saying is, I didn't want to pay Kirk. He wanted twenty million a season. I didn't want to pay him twenty million. I was like, no. No, See, think about this. Take this 16 and a half, this 17, and run with that while we build around you. We got a draft and we got to build around you because when we were finishing eight and eight and uh, seven and nine, that puts us in the middle of the pack of the draft. Either you're going to suck and we can be in the top 10, or we're going to win and we'll be in the bottom, uh, 
the bottom uh, 25 through 32. But being in the middle, that, 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 I'll say 12 to 24, ain't much talent that you're going to get in that. We haven't, we, we got some talent, you know, a couple of guys, but when we're up top, we can get a game changing guy. And a couple of those drafts, we could have used a game changing receiver with Kirk. I think we would have been way better. Probably, well, they made the wrong choice on Doxon because that's what they were trying to do that year. Yeah. And then you got to look at Look at the history of their second round picks. It's like Sewell Cravens, Trent Murphy. Wait. Um, hold on. Stop it. I think David Emerson's in that group. Like, I, I get that. Just don't get quality production. Don't. There will be no Trent Murphy slander in this house. Not in this dojo. He was trash. Not, not in this was, dojo. You playing a 3 4. And all right, well, maybe I gotta go to Cobra Kai or something. <laughs> you can't tell I me. Mean, like, God damn, this dude is. I, I just didn't understand their team building process and that and that part of it because you can't have two guys that are they six, do the same thing. two, six, three, and slow footed. I mean, mm-hmm. I love Kerrigan, but Kerrigan isn't explosive, mm-hmm. and Trent wasn't explosive. You can't do that. Like that, that's that's just dumb. That's that when you and say then you that, go that's with, what, um, what you call it. Marcus Fizer, I was thinking, yeah. right? Okay, um, but when he yeah, walked, his feet right there, he foot, yeah. Even even Preston Smith, like you got. All right, I'm gonna say this because I always say this, and this is going to be the Ben staple of this show. We got to get a type. I always say this. If I talk about draft, I talk about players. You gotta develop a type, and the second you get a type, it makes it easier for fans to figure out who you're going to draft, and it also makes it easier to see what you're building your team around. So I'm that's that's kind of where I'm at with this. The Kirk situation, I could go on for days, but I used to get tired because jokers were like, "Yeah, I can sign Kirk. I say we throw Kirk 13 million. I'm like, you just signed him to a franchise tag for 16. Hmm. Who taking 13? Yeah, if you like, just if gave me 16. Huh? If you just right. gave me sixteen, I'm not taking thirteen. Right? Like, like I used to, I used to get frustrated listening to the radio because it was like jokers was like, yeah, I think Kirk could get ten a year. You just signed him for sixteen. You can't give him ten. Like, like I used to think that people just didn't think about it logically. Like, like if you if your job giving you nineteen seventy five an hour, but they all sign you for three years at sixteen fifty, you ain't taking that damn sixteen fifty. You walking? You walk, you 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 just risking it. You gonna see how long you stay at nineteen seventy five. But I digress, and let's get to what's next, man. Um, uh, I say we go ahead and touch it. Let, let let's just touch it. Let's just touch it. Um, another question you ask: Will black coaches get shut out of this round of hiring? Yes, I think it's already obvious. Uh, I think I think part of it, but it's it's twofold. So part of it is the places that are, are, are available. So you have Wright taking the Carolina job. So it's Houston, which I don't know. If you're a young black coach, I don't see you wanting to touch Houston because you need Houston to show you that they're dedicated to a coach more than one year. Yeah. And what have Denver, they done to the last two black coaches? Right. Denver, 
And I think the issue with Denver is Denver doesn't know with their new ownership. I don't know what their direction is in terms of, well, you know, you're going to be stuck with um, Russell for the next three years. So like, you gotta make that, yeah, you got to make that work. Uh, who's the other, who am I missing? It's another bad franchise that's looking for a coach um, right now. They're like the, all the undesirable jobs. Yeah. Ain't they, uh, uh, is it's just like, Vegas? No, Vegas got McDaniels. No, Vegas got McDaniels, which isn't saying much because he's just like not having a coach. Um, Houston, Denver. And I know somebody that's watching is like yelling at the screen because they know who the other two teams are. Type and it I'm in the message going, box. Yeah, type it in the thing. Who the other teams are looking for head coaches this offseason. But the, I heard the guys go through it, and it's just like they're not the best jobs in the world. And I think that's going to be the hesitation. And I think the only way a black coach gets hired in this group is if they've exhausted all the other options and nobody just wants it. And it's kind of like a, here you go, take this job and, you know, enjoy it. Um, Do the best you can with it. I can't really promise you much, but if you don't mind getting blown out and um, getting paid like the next, the last two years or last three years of your deal, then um, so be it. But, that's kind of where I see this um, playing out. We'll see how this is looking right now. I mean, it's just one of those situations where um, it's just not working. So Carolina's – oh, Indianapolis is three. And I just don't see – I don't see Indianapolis walking away from Saturday. I think I think Ursay will find a reason – the higher back Jeff Saturday. You know what Ursay gonna do? Uh Denver's for Arizona. Yeah, Arizona too. You know what Ursay gonna do out in Indy? Whenever they go through coaching changes, they always used to hire Ted Marcha Broda. He's going to get a Ouija board and he's gonna conjure up. Ted Marcher Brode and hired the ghost of Ted Marcher Brode to coach the damn Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> and I and here's my thing. I guarantee you, Ted Marcher Brode still go 11 and 6. Because he's just that damn good, even from beyond uh, beyond the grave. Alright. I don't know. I'm, I'm a Marcher Brode guy. I've always been a fan of him. I, I was get a fan it, of him in Indy, and then knowing what I know about his connection to Baltimore. And then him being a coach of the Ravens, oh man, that, that's forever a fan of Tim Marcher, bro. To rest in peace. So, but I just think, yeah, th- those are like five of the worst scenarios for a young coach to walk into. Um, I mean, Arizona, you don't you don't have Kyler this year, so are they going to give you a quarterback, or are you going into the season with Colt McCoy and um, the kid from Penn State as your quarterbacks? I'm going um, to get Cam Newton. Say what? I'm going to get Cam Newton. Okay, that won't happen, but okay. <laughs> I, I, I said I, what I'm going to do. No, no, no. I, I understood what you said. I'm just telling you what ain't going to happen. 
But I mean, um, hell, do you want you want to win then, ball games, or you worried about what everybody else think? Same thing. I, I, I tell. Never mind. Let me just see, 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 see. You going on philosophies? You're asking me to act out what I would do, but I'm telling you what they gonna do. Oh, we know what they gonna do. It, so, 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 I, so what they gonna do is they not gonna worry about Cam because Cam just nah. It's not no, a thing. Cam. You, you know what they gonna do? They gonna go get Baker Mayfield. That's what they gonna do. They're gonna Maybe. get big bait. Maybe. I mean, Nathan Peterman out here still getting um looks. So well, Nathan Peterman gonna be the backup. What you mean? So, but I'm just saying, like, those are situations where you know a, a team's not gonna really invest because you already paid Kyler. So you just gotta figure out what you're gonna do. And then that puts that coach in limbo for that one year because you don't know how soon Kyler comes back. Does he come back by week six? You know, you pop him, get him back mid-season. Like those are questions that if you're taking over Arizona, you have to ask. Then you have to ask what direction we're going because you don't have a GM. And Arizona's been probably one of the more poorly run franchises the last three years. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, we got more early offseason stuff to talk about. We can't talk about it all tonight. So we're going to switch gears, jump over to the NBA right quick. All star, uh, all star starters have been announced. Uh, LeBron James is the West captain. Well, he's a captain. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the other captain. Uh, LeBron is five and zero, and has been every time he's been captain and has never lost. Uh, from the East, you got Giannis, KD, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Kyrie Irving. I'm glad to see Kyrie Irving as a starter. Uh, I was hoping that he he was going to be a starter. I made sure I voted for him a couple of times. From the West, you got LeBron James, uh, Jokic, Williams, Zion Williamson, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic. Uh, of course, coaches got to pick the reserves. Um, you got any problems with any anybody on these two teams as starters? Uh, I I understand Zion, but. I think, I think there's a some guy on the West playing a little bit better than Zion right now. Plus, he's been healthier the whole time. That's the only thing I don't like about the All Stars is like you you let a guy sit out for 20 games of the season, and then all of a sudden he's still in the All Star mix. Kind of like um, Aaron Donald being like the starting defensive tackle in the Pro Bowl or whatever it's called. Um, like the guy didn't play half the year, so let's let's not. Let's not stop. Let's stop giving people awards just because you like them. And, you know, yeah, you think they're the best player. And I get that. But, like, it's got to make sense. Make it make sense. If we're rewarding guys for playing this season, like, let's stop the popularity contest and let's be real about it. But, I mean, Zion probably got the the box, you know, filled up because fans want to see him. And I don't I don't blame that. But it's also, like, let's reward the guys that deserve it as much as possible. That's always been my gripe with the All-Star game. But you do know that NBA All-Star game, the Pro Bowl, it's nothing but a popularity contest. You, yeah, you know yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's nothing but a fucking popularity contest. And I guess we got to be okay with that, but that's all it is. It is what it is because it is what it's going to be. It's nothing but a popularity contest anyway because it's voted. the starters are voted on by the fans. So uh next up this is the midnight rider i'm gonna sit back 
and uh, ride this wave. <laughs> ah, baseball Hall of Fame. I'm going to put my mic. That? What can we change that? What you want to change it to? No, no. So, so it's the Baseball Hall of Pretty Good. That's <laughs> what we're going to change the name of it to. Okay. It's not the Hall of Fame anymore. We're not taking great players to be in this Hall of Fame because the baseball writers are such sanctimonious assholes that mm. they cannot separate their head from their asshole to figure out the truth. And the truth is you sat around and watched this process and watched this happen. You sat around and acted like, oh, nothing's going on. Nothing is, is nothing to see here. You literally had Barry Bonds come to you and be like, oh, okay, are they going to let these guys just get bigger and faster and stronger and not test everybody? So, so I, I got to just sit here and do this? Like, this is crazy to me that baseball is stuck their nose so high up that they they rather put a bunch of guys that would never, ever smell the Hall of Fame into the Hall of Fame just because they want to be petty and act like, oh, steroids was this miserable thing. When all of them got their pockets fat off the steroids, they wrote more articles about guys that were on steroids than guys that weren't on steroids. They even let freaking David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame last year. And this guy tested positive back in, yo, it's, this is the most disgusting, re, reviling thing I've ever watched a sports organization do. They have decided to destroy their Hall of Fame just because of their egos and because their egos aren't being stroked. So now they want to come back and act like they're gatekeepers. Like, I just don't get this. Like, this is, it's like you're destroying something that you put all this pride in. Like, you didn't vote in Babe Ruth and Kyle Ripken as first ballot perfect all-stars because no, if, if this person didn't go in, with 100% of the vote, nobody can go in. But now you're going to let Scott fucking Rowling go into the Hall of Fame? You're talking about Scott Rowling. Like, he might have had two good years as a as a third baseman. Yes, he's probably one of the best defensive third basemen ever. But I swear to God, if we pull his numbers up, his numbers don't scream Hall of Fame. His numbers scream Hall of Good. And then next year, I mean, even though he's my dog, but you're going to let Adrian Beltre in. You're going to let a bunch of guys in that Beltre should be in. Let me change that. But he should be a guy that doesn't get in first ballot. He should be a third or fourth ballot guy. But it's just the notion that this sport would rather stick his nose up and turn his back on the best talent in the league and say, oh, you can't be a Hall of Famer because you use steroids. Figure the shit out. You allowed the shit, so deal with the shit. This is like... If you ever cheated on a girl, this is exactly what it is. And you said, well, baby, I was just fucking them. I make love to you. That's what this is the equivalent of. Is is Major League Baseball writers are saying, telling all the fans, yeah, we just fucking you, but we make love to the person that's special to us. So, like, this is the most agenda-based bullshit I've ever heard in my life. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's like it because they didn't kiss your ass. Now all of a sudden you want to act like you got standards. You don't have them. You sold your standards the day you interviewed Mark McGuire, and he had Andrew Steen 
in his locker on a shelf, and then you told him it was Andro, and he was like, oh, okay, and you still cool with it. You never went back to his locker open again because you didn't want to see the truth. Like, baseball writers can't handle the truth, and the truth is you laid in bed for this shit for 10 years, you prospered off of it, and now you want to act like all of a sudden it's a fucking problem. And I don't care that they can kiss my ass, Baseball player, the the right association can eat a dick. I don't care. This is the worst shit I've ever seen. Scott Rowland. Somebody, I mean, you can't. I can't even form my lips to say that right. I don't even think Scott Rowland's got an MVP. He might have a World Series MVP or something that I don't know about. He might not even be the best player on the Phillies team. This is it's. Oh my god. Okay. Like I'm running out of words to say and things to say about this because it doesn't make fucking sense to me that Scott freaking Rowland is in the Hall of Fame. And it's no offense to Scott. No at all. None at all. It's not a personal attack. It's the fact that we're allowing this because we when I say we, I'm talking about baseball writers, have allowed this situation to get out of hand and not take care of it the proper way. If anybody ever comes up to you and tells you, if you're an alien on this planet, and they say, oh, Scott Rowland is all in the Hall of Fame, but Barry Bonds isn't. What? It don't make sense. It ain't, the math ain't mathing, KG. The math ain't mathing. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to reel you in, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull in, the, uh, I'm going to pull out the cattle prod, and I'm going to poke the bear. No, we're not doing this. Yeah, Yes, I am. Scott Rowland. His war is 70.1. He had 7,398 at bats, 200, I'm sorry, 2,077 hits, 316 home runs. Ho, 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 go back, go back, go back. Go back. You just said the magic number. He has how many hits? 2,077. He doesn't even, 3,000 hits, 3,000 hits and or 500 home runs, automatic Hall of Fame. Automatic. automatic. He got 2,000 hits, KG. 2,000 hits, that's like. A running back that has 10,000 yards. That's automatically Hall of Fame. KG, he got 2,077 hits. 2,077 hits. Hold on. His batting he, he probably doesn't even have 400 home runs. No, 316. What, what are we doing here, KG? What were you batting average? Are, we, are we giving out participation trophies? Yes. What do I feel like we're doing? Yes. His Baseball batting average. Said, oh, we can't take the elite guys anymore because – when when they did steroids and we watched them, but they're not gonna say about the part where they watched this happen. When you watch Ivan Rodriguez come into camp looking like a damn linebacker, you like, oh, well, he must have hit the weights hard this all season. Yeah, he hit the weights hard, and he might have stuck a thing in his butt every now and then to get a little um extra push. But come on, and I don't even want to, I don't even want to mess with guys' names in that way by saying this. But there's. There's some proof in the pudding. There's some things that happen that you got to ask questions about. Ivan Rodriguez coming in looking like 235. And then the second you said testing, he drops down to like 185 like it's nobody's problem. If he was black, if he came around his family and he was black, they'd be like, you on that booger sugar, baby? What you doing? You, you smoking the crack? You on that stuff. to 180 like that. Hold on. Hold on. His batting oh, average man, is 281. Uh, one thousand two hundred eleven runs, uh, 
1,287 RBIs, 818 stolen bases, on base percentage is 36, uh, uh, 364, slugging percentage is 490, OPS is 855. Since you were looking at player stats, I'm going to pull a name because if this guy, if, if Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, then, then, then Chase Utley got to be a Hall of Famer. All right. My God. Chase Utley at least made plays in the playoffs. Chase Utley. And, uh, Scott Rowland's a, um, uh, MVP, I'm sorry, rookie of the year, and he has a silver slugger. Uh, Chase Utley, Ooh, silver slugger. Ooh. Chase Utley, six time all star, 2008 World Series champion, uh, sil- four time silver slugger award. Uh, Boom, he's his- already up them there. Four is greater than one. <laughs> his war is 64.5. He has 6,857 at bats. Only 1,885 hits. Don't if you got a guy with 2,077, why can't we let the 1,800 guy in? He but got he four is, He's not. He's not in. Chase Utley is not in. How many home runs he hit? Uh, Chase Utley only has 259. Who cares? We let a guy with 318 in. It doesn't matter anymore. Like the place that numbers was the. When numbers is the spectrum and the thing that you always talk about, you say it's the milestones. It's 3,000 hits. You got a guy with barely 2,000 hits in the Hall of Fame. You say it's 500 home runs. You got a guy with barely 300 home runs in the the Hall of Fame. What are we doing here, people? The math ain't mathing. That's all I'm saying. And and if you want to be on your soapbox, well, build your soapbox and actually make some complaints. Like, you can't just say, oh, well, he's allegedly a steroid user or we know he's a steroid. It's so many people I could say, oh, there's a chance that he was on steroids, but because, A, you didn't test and we didn't push it, and I'll give props to Donald Fair because Donald Fair or Fur or whatever his name is was the smartest um, uh, 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 player rep. Because he made sure he didn't let that get in their hands until later on. And I think he stepped down before you even got the bullshit testing where it was supposed to be anonymous. But everybody put their name on the vials and the vials got leaked out. And that's how we knew David Ortiz did the shit. Okay. Let me let me throw this at you. You can't throw nothing at me. I can't. There's nothing here. Uh-oh. I think the gerbil just got off the... One monkey don't make the show. Here we go. But I'm just going to say this. It's just no way that Scott Rowland goes into this Hall of Fame before anybody else does. And and, and I don't know how they fixed their votes, how they did okay. this to make that go. happen. Here we go. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Why you good, man? My power blink. You know, everything went out. Now I'm going to throw this at you. Seven-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, home run derby champ, eight-time gold glover, 12-time silver slugger, two batting titles, three major league player of the year awards, 9,847 at-bats, 2,935 hits, batting average is 298. 2,227 runs, 1996 in RBIs, 514 stolen bases. Has the most home runs in Major League Baseball. Has the most walks in Major League Baseball. Has the most intentional walks. 
in Major League Baseball, all in history, and is not in the Hall of Fame. KG. I have a problem with that. KG. Yes, sir. Here's how asinine Major League Baseball is. The greatest home run hitter and the greatest hitter in the game are the two people that are essentially banned or exiled from their Hall of Fame. Hmm. You're banning Pete Rose because he bet on some games where now all of a sudden, if you're going to start walking in the stadiums and gamblers won't be legal. Now I get, you know, keeping the game, um, the, the, the sanctity of the game precious. I get that, but we're 40, 50 years removed from his situation. Like at some point you got to forgive some of this stuff. I mean, goodness gracious, it's just, it's just ridiculous that it's the only Hall of Fame with the two greatest players of the sport aren't in the Hall of Fame. Say it again. Can you imagine a Hall of Fame where, like, Kobe and Mike aren't in the Hall of Fame or Kobe and LeBron aren't in the Hall of Fame for whatever sanctimonious reasons you want to put out there? You imagine Joe Montana and, and, and Dan Marino not being in your Hall of Fame. You know what I'm saying? Shoot, the NFL hasn't even kicked OJ out the Hall of Hall of Fame for what OJ allegedly did. But it's like they're supposed to be caretakers of history. And what they've done is bastardize the history of the sport by not allowing the best players to be in the Hall of Fame because you want to do guesswork. You want to play blues clues, you want to be door the the explorer you want to chase down all this shit you want to find out uh where in the world is carmen san diego instead of actually doing something that makes sense and putting the best players in the hall of fame the hall of fame is for the best players we have this argument all the time kg me you and bj we talk about guys being first ballot second ballot guys being worthy in this situation nobody was worthy if you're going to keep judging on this criteria scott Rowland ain't worthy Scott Rowland ain't ain't it. Cause I never, I swear to, I know I never said, oh, Scott Rowland's one of the best players ever in MLB. Never said it. I might say he might be one of the best defensive players, but the best player? Nah, dog. It's a no for me, dog. Well, you might as well go ahead and get ready for Scott Brocious, Chuck Knoblock. Uh KG. Hmm? KG. Yeah. I will do an hour if Scott Brocious and, and Chuck Knobloch, who can't, couldn't throw the ball to second base to save his life, he literally had to roll the ball to second to throw somebody. Yeah, okay, KG. Don't, uh, don't, 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 don't wish that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Don't <laughs> wish that evil on me. Like my man Bernie Williams, model of consistency. If Scott Rowland get in, Bernie Williams should be in. KG, we're not doing this. Paul O'Neill. Scott KG, we're not doing this. I can name some names now. You can you can name all the names you want, but this is called the Hall of Fame. It's just supposed to be the place where the best of the best go. And that's the problem I have with this. It's not the best of the best if you're not holding them to a standard or you're adjusting the standard for your casual bullshit reasons. This is why you have to take Hall of Fame voting out of the writers' hands. We this is the same thing I said, and oh. I stand on this soapbox. When it came down to Hall of Fame, and Art Monk wasn't the first ballot Hall of Famer, but Jerry Rice was, and Jerry Rice broke all of Art Monk's records. 
that was a problem. Certain guys not getting in because T.O. not being first ballot, that's a problem. That is a, he should have been first ballot because of what he did. He had the numbers. He had everything. But because he was a thorn in the media side, same thing with a lot of guys in MLB, because they didn't talk to the media like that or the media didn't like them. They weren't media darlings. This is why you got to take it out of the writer's hands. I think, and the, the boss BJ has said this before, and I agree with it a thousand percent. You take your living members of the Hall of Fame. They no. vote who's the next one to come in. No. No. You wouldn't do that? No. No. Because I don't trust, as much as I love the guys that played this game, I don't think they watched the game enough to be the voters for the Hall of Fame. And maybe the um, middle ground is you get a panel of them with a panel of reporters, but it can't be one or the other because you'll either get the popularity contest like we get for the Pro Bowl and get guys get in, or you'll get what we've been getting now. And I think the happy median is given getting a little bit of both in place. But I don't trust um, the guys that played this just because I think they'll have some selfish moments and, and let some guys in that they like and – I, I, that's the only reason I don't I don't want that possibility. And also, like I just watch, I watch the coaches vote in college basketball or college football for like the top twenty five. And if you look at some of the ballots, you you would cringe and try to figure out what the hell was going on because because it's not public. They're not held to a standard. They're not held to a place of being responsible for for what's what's going to happen. So I feel like the same thing will happen with the players and 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 the um and the writers, we already see it happening. So I just think there's a place of bias that's gonna happen in this process. And I don't know what the perfect answer is to this. And I don't I don't think we'll ever get to the perfect answer, but I definitely don't want it to be just the players. Okay. I'm I'm you know what? I was gonna have a rebuttal. I ain't even got no rebuttal. I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm gonna leave it right there because you know. It's time to go home. Uh, we got one more segment, and I, I, told you, I told you I wasn't worried about you on the time thing. Yeah, because I, 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 look, I wanted you to go, and you did. So, uh, last but not least, uh, today yeah. marks three years since the helicopter accident that claimed uh, the Mamba. Uh, his daughter, the pilot, seven others. Oh man, we it don't even seem like it's been three years. Let's just say that it does not seem like it's been three years, and I'm not even gonna get into it because I already know what, what road we going down. So you know, uh, hopefully. Everybody has been living Mamba mentality for the last three years, you know, full bull. Don't let nothing stop you. Uh, but, yeah, it's been three years. I thought I was going to be able to get through that, but I, I'm, I'm I'm, not. I'm not. I'm not even going to attempt to. I, I, I love the Mamba mentality. I love the, the language. I love the thought process of it. I just, like, and I don't mean this to be insensitive, but we gotta watch who we allow to say that. Like, like I just can't have like some guy just 
off the bench and he hit a J, he's like mama mentality. But is it really mama mentality? Because the mama mentality is special. It's it's waking up at 5 a.m. to go work out and then taking a break at 9 and then turn around and going back to the gym at 11, 12 o'clock to work out some more. And then it's going to grab a dinner and then going back and working on some more. Like, like I feel like sometimes people are a little too casual with the mama mentality because, like, it's it's a thing. It's something to say, but, like, that's not it. It's a lifestyle. Like, I, I've watched so many interviews, listening to Kobe, um, listening to people talk about Kobe. Um, one of my favorite moments is um, – the Pau Gasol dream team where he's like, look, first play, I already know what they're going to do. I'm going to run through his chest. Like, that's Mamba mentality. I, I don't care who you are. If you wear the other team's jersey, I'm treating you like you belong to the other team. We can be teammates two months from now when we in La Jolla or San Diego and we getting ready for the season. But for these next 10 I'm sorry, this next hour, two hours, you are the enemy. That's the mentality. Like, like I don't want, like, I, I feel like sometimes we did get too casual with something special. And, and like, Mama mentality is something special. You know what I'm saying? It's that trophy that sits up on the shelf and you dust it off, you make sure it's nice and pretty, and, and it sits there. It's not something that you always pass around. Like, you just pass it around every day, every week, and it's like, it's like some trophy that everybody gets. It's not like that. Like, Mama Mentality is special. Like, I, I, it literally took me, I think it took me six months to get all the way through Muse without, like, breaking down or just stopping because my allergies were acting up. Um, and Cole, for me, if I got to be real as a fan, like, we had a, like a, a, a labor of love. Like, I had to figure out when I was going to like him. Cause he was the hot shot kid coming in. He was a little cocky and arrogant. Um, but I think when he took those two shots in Utah at the moment, I was cussing at the TV trying to figure out why he kept shooting the ball. But then I realized that he was the only guy with the heart and mentality to take those shots in the moment, even after he failed. And he was, he was not scared to fail. And then we got to Portland and the infamous oop to Shaq. And then, like, that sealed it. And I don't think I ever, like, I don't think I doubt him after that at all. Like, he's probably, that's not even probably, he is my second favorite basketball player. It's Magic and then it's Kobe. I'm going to say this. Anybody that has known me for years, uh, my brother-in-law tell you when Kobe came into the league, I was a huge fan because, you know, I, he was leaving high school as I was starting. His senior year was my, my freshman year, you know, and I feel old. <laughs> then the crazy part about it, I made him on live 96 cause he wasn't on live 96. So I made him on live 96. And I would play with the Lakers just to play with him. And I was a fan of his because he high school kid. You know, I hadn't, you know, year before we had Kevin Garnett. Then a year after that, you got Kobe coming out. Okay. 
okay, now we got high school players coming out that can actually ball. And I pull for those Lakers, and, and I argue back and forth with you all the time about that, that those Lakers of the 90s with Eddie Jones, Kobe, and Nick Van Exel, and Eldon Campbell, and Shaq, and everything. We, we talk about that all the time. Those were fun, some of my favorite Lakers squads because of how they were constructed. I'm not going to – out of respect for you in this day, I will not besmirch the name of Eddie Jones for you. <laughs> it was coaching. And I always said if Dale Harris was anything – any other coach other than Dale Harris, they would have got over the hump long before Phil came. But and then also think you know about what? Huh? you know what? There's 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 truth in that, but then there's also you. I think you missed the statement I said earlier about the dog part, and I, I struggle watching a 19 year old being the guy in the moment being willing to take the shot that the so-called stars wouldn't take that, that, that was the hard part for me. And that's when, and, and, and honestly, I, I'll tell you like, that was the moment where everything changed for me. Like I was just, I was like, nah, I can't, there's no point. And I, there's other reasons. And we'll get into that content on other shows when you have your confrontation with me, but <laughs> it's, it's just like, and the other thing I think about Cole, like you just don't even like you. Everybody thought he was cold hearted, but he had these great relationships with AI. He had a great relationship with T Mac. Um, I think he and T Mac may have been a year or two apart, and like they were like brothers um, off the court. Um, so it wasn't that me against the world, but it was that switch. You know what I'm saying? Like like us old conjures, we talk about oh, you know, if my best friend's on the team and I gotta take him out, I'm taking him out. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 our heyday. That's our thing. Um, and he had that mentality. Um, you know, him and KG had a thing. And I never forget. Like, there's so many stories. Like, I think my favorite story about Kobe, to be honest with you, man, it's Amon Shumpert. And I'm gonna try to get through this. But Amon Shumpert, I think it's well, I know it's the game that um, we're in the midst of like Linsanity. And Amon Shumpert has guarded Kobe for three quarters. And he's had steals. He's gotten points on Kobe. But i never forget, he said in the story, he was like, they come out for the fourth quarter, and Kobe's like, good game, son. You really played well today. And Shumpert looking at him, looking at the scoreboard, like, you got to hold another quarter to play. And in that quarter, I think Kobe, like, comes down – does a face, does a shot, um, throws it off the backboard, gets the rebound, kicks it out to the wing to somebody for three. Um, he does like a three fake, um, shoulder shimmy, ends up with a fadeaway. Um, and Shumper looks at him like, like he looks at Dan Tony like, what's he on? Like he was playing regular the whole game. Now you on some different shit. And the kicker was, he was like, yeah, Cole came down and laced a 30-footer. And he looked at Dan Tony like, what you want me to do? <laughs> He's like, that's not in the scouting report. So it's like moments like that when you see guys transcend time in the moment and become something special and spectacular in that moment is the key to greatness. And, and I think for me – like the 81 point night, the 
the 62 points in three quarters against Dallas. Um, like I got them all. I got all these moments I'm thinking about. And and and, and I'll never forget, because I think for me, the solidifier was um I don't have a bad relationship with my son's mother, but when she made sure she called me to make sure I was good, it made me know that she knew how much she meant to me. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody that, I mean, we don't have, we do a good job co-parenting, so I'm not worried about that. But there are times when people know what hurts you and what's going to hurt you. And 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 the fact that she took that moment out um, was special to me. If I felt like she understood me to, to that degree. And that's just one of those things where, like, even people's greatness transcends the relationships that we have with other people. Um, like, Kobe is just, like, it's, I don't, sometimes I lost words because the dude had two careers. He had eight and he had 24. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then you got a dude that's on trial for a case and he's in the NBA finals trying to get through it. It's just, like, how do you have the mentality to be on trial fighting for your life? And you still getting it. You still making sure. Um, and then that's when the 24 came. And then, like, I'll never forget that finals with Boston. And I, I'm sorry if I'm going on and on. But um, there's a picture from the 2009 finals where it's like KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Rondo. And it's just Kobe in the middle of it. And, like, I know, like for me, I just know that was his, like, I don't care what you got. I got me. And when I when I when I think about it, and you might not remember this reference, but I'm gonna say the reference. But there's a scene in 300 where um they're going to battle and they're on the trail. And when they come up the trail, it's Leonidas and the 300 soldiers they have. And then the other group that, that's meeting them that's supposed to be going to fight with them. They were like, you only bought 300 soldiers. And Leonidas looked at them and laughed. And Leonidas was like, sir, what do you do? And the dude was like, I'm a farmer. He was like, what do you do? I'm a I'm a um, blacksmith or a bricklayer, blah, 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 blah. He was like, well, see, the difference is I brought 300 soldiers to this fight. You bought 300, you bought regular people with you. And that's how Kobe was. Like Kobe was like, yeah, it could be you four guys, but I'm the dog. I brought me to this fight. And I hope I'm giving him all the props that like he deserves and all the flowers he deserves. But like when I see that guy, I see ultimate competitor. Like I see M and MJ as the guys that they don't care what else is going on around them. They don't care what you brought to the yard. I got me. I know what I put in in this time. So, yeah. I'm going to tell you this. Like I said, Kobe came out of high school, big fan. And when he threw that oop to Shaq against Portland, instantly couldn't stand him. On the court, I mean, off the court, of course. I, I love everybody off, off the court. On the court, couldn't stand him. Could not stand him, and I, I, I love Shaq. I couldn't stand Shaq either. I couldn't stand the Lakers doing that, that whole three peat. That well, that that four years from two thousand to what two thousand four. 
I couldn't stand the Lakers. Like I wanted the Lakers to lose every damn game. I we, I'm not. I, I don't like front runners. We weren't front runners. Uh, y'all were the best team in the NBA, dude. Well, not a couple years because Shaq was hurt. We didn't play well. You won three championships in a row. You were the best team in the NBA all 2001. That happened. So, huh? I mean, you get in the playoffs. You get. You have great players. You have greatness around you. Um, no, no. Listen, 2001. I mean, I mean everybody got to walk the aisle. Sometimes Two. Ric Flair says it best. To be the man, you got to beat the man. I get and that. For three years, nobody was mad enough. And see, the thing is, in 2001, 2000, I knew y'all were going to run through uh, Indiana. I knew that. Indiana was, uh, if y'all would have met Indi- uh, Indiana in 97 to 98, I don't think y'all would have beat them. But in 2000, y'all beat them because they was past their prime. 2001 with Philly. I thought Philly had a chance to beat y'all when they won game one. That was the only game that the Lakers lost in the playoffs was game one, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. You thought Philly with Eric Snow, Kimbe Matumbo. When I tell uh, you that Hill, Hill uh, Tyrone Hill. Uh, what's my guy from um, Aaron McKee? Matt Geiger. Yeah, I thought all of that. When I tell you I could not stay in the Lakers, I I rooted against the Lakers every chance I got. Because it was a simple fact that you took my coach as a Bulls fan. You took my coach to go win. Ah, here's I have truth. a problem with that. Now the truth serum comes out. It's the feel <laughs> thing. It's the feel factor. But okay, I, I I I rode Kobe hard, and he just and you know Richard Pryor said it. He said you know. Dudes be looking at Jerry West like Jerry West can play some motherfucking basketball. Like you, you pick up the paper. Damn, Jerry West had thirty two last night. He said Jerry West make niggas look crazy, mm-hmm. make them look stupid. And sometimes you got to look at a player. You can't stand them on the court. And sometimes you got to be like, God, damn, this nigga just killing us. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was with Kobe. I rode Kobe hard when he went through that. That uh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, but when he I, went, that was that was me with MJ, right? And see, most people people understand that when he went through the court case, the the allegations and everything, immediately, you know, that's off the court. Everything it went by the wayside because I was like, "This is Kobe Bryant we're talking about. Why would he have to take something that's going to be thrown at him?" And the girl came. It came back that the girl had uh, uh, eight different DNA. She had all the humanity in her panties. Boom. And mm-hmm. my thing is with that. Everybody, and then even in death, when Gail King said what she said, I don't give a damn about no apology. What Snoop said, I felt that. But through that, him still playing through it, and I was like, dog, you you know, I'm saying to myself, you got to beat this. You're going to beat this. When he played Boston, well, when the Lakers played Boston in 2008, I was pulling for Boston for a simple reason, because I was like, if Boston wins this championship, They'll win the championship on June 19th. I need Boston to win this championship on June 19th. It will erase. What was that? That was 22 years. No. Yeah. That was at 2008. Yeah, that was 22 years. It erased 22 years of bad luck. Because ever since Lynn Bias died, Boston fell off. They were, in a, they were a dynasty in every decade except the 90s. You had them come up in the 2000s and 2010s. Now we're in the 20s, and they're still one of the top teams. So it's like it erased everything. I needed the Lakers to lose that. But I was so happy 
in 2004 when the Lakers played uh, Detroit. Because I was like, now we're getting back to 80s basketball where you got the Lakers in Detroit. Soon Boston's going to come up. And Boston came up a couple years later. Then you got Boston versus L.A., which is one of the best rivalries in basketball. So I loved it. 2009 when they played Orlando. I don't like Dwight Howard. I can't stand Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is the guy that I ride now because I can't stand him. And he ain't even in the league. I pulled for the Lakers to win that one. I was happy with that. When they played Boston the second time, I was like, this is just going to be a good series. And it went seven games. It was a damn good series, but I was happy when Kobe won. I was pissed off that they didn't try to end his twilight years towards the end of his career. They didn't put a team around him to keep winning. It's just kind of like they just did stuff. But still, I was cool with it. Then you got the you got the, the, the commercials and 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 uh the one oh man when he told Kanye West you gotta be the same beast but a different animal. What the fuck right. do you mean by that, Kobe Bryant? You're welcome. I love that shit. Right. The, the, the retirement commercial with everybody was saying you had Rasheed, Phil, you had everybody there singing to him. I love that commercial. All right. Here's something. And I'm 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 gonna leave on this one. Brian McKnight's anytime, right? This is how big of a Kobe fan I was. When Brian McKnight anytime came out, he had the Hold Me remix. The Hold Me remix featuring Kobe Bryant. I was, I'm a big Brian McKnight fan. Brian McKnight used to play in the NBA Entertainment League. He could actually ball just like Ice Cube, just like uh, R. Kelly. They could all play ball. But when I saw that video. On BET, I was like, I'm going to get that album. I went out that Saturday to go by anytime. Came home and played it, and the Hold Me remix was not on anytime. I was so disappointed because I was like, I love Kobe's verse on that damn album. On that song, I love his verse. Didn't wasn't on there. Only places available, YouTube. Mm. So, but that I had a love-hate. And the love was off the court. The hate was on the court because I'm a Bulls fan. I, I can't see myself pulling for anybody else other than the Bulls. But secretly, I was like, all right. I remember putting his final game on DVR and I watched about four or five times because I was working at night that time. So I was keeping up with it while I was at work, but I watched the whole game. I watched it four or five times. The interview uh, with him and Shaq sat down. And that was after Magic and Isaiah. And when him and Shaq sat down, that that right there was just a therapeutic interview. I loved it. I loved it. Now I'm hoping that Michael and Isaiah do one, but that's yet to be seen. No, I don't think it's happening. But, you know, there's so many memories you can go with, love, hate. You know, I love picking at them because it was Kobe Bryant. Like, dog, you're the best player in the world. I, I, I Like, secretly... Yeah, I bangs with you. You know, you good. You great. I can admit your greatness. I just, I look, look at man. I'm a Bulls fan. You're not gonna keep making me look stupid. So you know. And so, when he so, didn't come to Chicago, that shit broke my heart. So one <laughs> uh, antidote, and then I'm good. So I'll never forget Game Seven. Um, Kings. Queens and, and I'm I'm in um there's a bar in Arlington it's 
It's called Champs. That's what it was. It was Champs. Dude, to say that me, it was like me and two other Laker fans, and we were catching real life, like heat. I'm talking about villain. I'm talking about WCW, um, NWO, just heat because we were the only ones rooting for the Lakers. And I knew when I knew before Stoyakovich put the shut up, he wasn't making it. Like, there's a couple guys on. I got a list of guys that people like, but I just just don't trust them in the playoffs. And that's a whole other show and always new content. But Page airballs it. And like I just we just stay in it's like four of us doing high fives in the whole place. And I swear to God, I didn't know if we was gonna make it out here without fighting, but it was it was a beautiful thing, man. It was beautiful times. And then the fact when Kobe takes Indiana, that, that game with Shaq fouls out and he just gives Indiana the business and he does the push down and he's telling um he's telling Phil Jackson to chill out. I got this. Ooh, yeah, man. Uh, it's, yeah, I can, I got stories. I got moments. I, I, I could do a whole two hours by myself um, on on that topic. Just the the things that just stood out for me when it came to Kobe Bryant. But um, I know we don't do no overtime, and it looks like we <laughs> overtime. Yeah, we are. So we gonna go ahead and slide on out of here because it didn't got late. We didn't got caught up. But hey, it's all good. So no, 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 no. you gotta put a pin in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause look, we're gonna have so many pins come this summer, man. Like we're gonna oh. have content for days this summer. Yeah. So that's gonna be good. I we look, we got pins to go around. So uh yeah, for the midnight sports riders, connoisseur. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And we got sports coming up, so Let's um everybody enjoy your night uh for the midnight rider. I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime. We didn't did it, though. We are out of here. Later.